Rebecca whips the shade with the back of her hand. Despite her efforts, the obnoxious sun continued to force its way through the cracks, robbing her of any further sleep. Rebecca watched the dust particles float down the light, pulsing through the rocking shade. The clamor of the nearby market poured through her window. Buyers withdrawing their offers, sellers defending their profits, animals protesting their transactions. It was too loud, too hot, and too bright to sleep. Rebecca sat up, slid her legs over the bed, and turned her back to the window. A shade fell over her, relieving her of the tyrannical glare of the sun. She relaxed her strained face. What time was it? Late afternoon. She was starving. Rebecca's eyes adjusted to the shade, slowly bringing to focus the chaotic state of her home. Fallen chairs and tables. Clothing sprawled across the floor. A shelf ripped from its housing. The remnants of a vase crumbled in the corner. The final scene of the haunting night prior. A complete blur. As they were every night. Rebecca massaged her temples to dull her throbbing headache. Food will help. She slowly rose to her feet and stepped around the fragments of her home. She reached for a cracked clay pot that had fallen with the kitchen shelf. She lifted it from the ground, removed the lid, placed her hands over the opening and tipped it upside down. The weight of a denarius fell into her hand. She breathed a sigh of relief. Rebecca walked over to the web of clothing on the floor, picked up a dark shawl and flung it over herself. She faced many risks walking in the daylight. The risk of being exposed. The risk of being punished. It was so much easier under the cover of night. Hesitant to leave, Rebecca watched the steps of villagers beneath the cloth of her doorway. The elongated shadows filled her with hope. Soon it would be nightfall. Soon the darkness would cover them all. Everyone is the same in the dark. Rebecca took a deep breath, pulled the fabric of night over her head, and walked into the afternoon. Nectarines, beautiful nectarines, fresh from this morning's harvest. Cool, sweet nectar of my oranges. Dove, young and strong, have you seen any as beautiful as these? A colourful tapestry of produce illuminated the length of the market, creating a strangely enticing mixture of sweet and savoury smells. Strung up cages of animals swayed in the humid winds. Their occupants curiously peered at Rebecca as she walked past. The intense heat of the sun poured through the mesh of the bouncing canopy above, multiplied by the crowds of people 
absorbing any fresh moving air. Rebecca weaved her way through the crowd to her usual afternoon stop, me. occasionally stepping aside to make room for oversized purchases. Two rams, a cage of pigeons and an ox. Life in Galilee was not easy for a Jew. The oppressive weight of the Roman Empire multiplied with every tax increase, provoking some to resort to questionable schemes to make up for their losses. The oranges at the top are spotless, but the ones at the bottom of the crate are rancid. I want my money back. Rebecca's headache faded in anticipation as she approached the stall of delicious figs. Can I have six figs and a loaf of bread, please? Three rion. Three? But yesterday it was two rion. Today it's three. Fine. Rebecca placed her denarius on the bruised wooden counter. The shopkeeper replaced it with her change and purchases, quickly removing his hands as hers approached. The strict cultural codes of behavior prohibited men from touching other women. By law, during a woman's monthly flow of blood, she was unclean. And since no one could know when this was taking place, it was safer to completely refrain from all contact. Rebecca suppressed smiling at the shopkeeper's flattering assumptions. Women like her were always unclean. The sudden growth of the crowd prevented Rebecca from retracing her footsteps, forcing her to continue through the market. Was there an upcoming festival she hadn't heard about? It was never this busy at such a late hour. The sweaty mass of people slowly edged towards the market exit, one tiny agonizing step at a time. To avoid fainting, Rebecca slightly parted her thick shawl to let some air in. Rebecca angled her head to see how far the coveted exit was. Her observation was blocked by yet another oversized purchase spearing through. The crowd grumbled as everyone gave way for the arrogant intrusion of order. Rebecca bumped into a stall as she stepped back. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's okay. The vendor held the stall to steady the wobbling vials. It's very busy. Yes, it is. Rebecca turned to continue walking. Would you like to experience some of this sense? The vendor lifted a white alabaster vial. The very best in Galilee. Pressed by the skillful perfumers of the forest. This one is lavender. Try it. I'm sorry, I... Rebecca looked towards the market exit. Please, smell it. The shopkeeper extended the vial to Rebecca. Rebecca looked at the stunning vial being presented to her. Its intricate carvings and indication of the spectacular worth of its contents. Rebecca took the vial from the man, taking extra care to ensure she did not touch his hands. She opened it, gently leaned forward, and slowly inhaled. Rebecca caught her buckling knees as her senses were introduced to a quality of fragrance she did not expect. The heavenly scent spiraled upwards, 
drifting Rebecca far away into another life. A better life. One that could have been, but never was. A lush lavender field, gently swaying in the summer breeze. The light of the sunset spilling across the flowering tips, suspending the purple and green highlights in soft, golden hues. The glowing interface of heaven and earth. Rebecca skips through the field. The cool undergrowth caresses her bare feet. The sound of protected innocence. She turns to the right. Her children run beside her, holding hands and laughing with petals of lavender in their hair. She lifts her head, smiles and closes her eyes, absorbing the healing warmth of the sun. The sound of her name pronounced with the sweetness of honey. She turns around. Her husband approaches her, twirling a stem of lavender. Nothing but the purest love and deepest respect in his eyes. He takes her hand, kisses it. I love you. Hello? Excuse me? Hello? Oh, um, I'm so sorry. I must have been daydreaming. It's, um, it's such a lovely scent. Would you like to buy it? How much? 300 denarii. Oh my, no, I couldn't possibly afford it. Rebecca slowly placed the vial down before it slipped from her trembling hands. Who would wear such a precious possession? The merchant adjusted the vial's position, moving it in line with the others. Noble men and women, the royal that work among us. Well, thank you so much for allowing me to experience it. May you find a buyer soon. Thank you very much. Rebecca steps back into the crowd. It's now accelerated current sweeping her away. She walked in a mindless daze. A part of her still drifting through the lavender field. When she stepped out of the market, the sky was darkened. The fading colours of dusk melted over the horizon, celebrating their final moments of existence. As she turned with the crowd, she noticed a man leaning against the tree, watching her as he twirled a stem of barley. His eyes, cold and dark. His thoughts, darker. Rebecca broke eye contact and continued walking, and then stopped. She closed her eyes and lifted her head. The cold night air washed over her face. Rebecca slowly opened her eyes, slipped the shawl off her head, and turned around.
Rebecca whips the shade with the back of her hand. Despite her efforts, the obnoxious sun continued to force its way through the cracks, robbing her of any further sleep. Rebecca sat up, slid her legs over the bed, and turned her back to the window. A shade fell over her, relieving her of the tyrannical glare of the sun. She relaxed her strained face. Rebecca slowly rose and stepped around the fragments of her home. She reached for the cracked clay pot, now placed in the walled corner of the kitchen, to prevent it from falling. If it fell again, it would completely shatter. She lifted the lid, placed her hands over the opening, and tipped it upside down. Nothing. Rebecca put the pot down, placed her head into her hands, and for the first time in a very long time, allowed herself to weep. <laughs> when will the pain end? When will the thirst for approval be quenched? Each day, a nightmare she was destined to keep reliving over and over again until she finally... She didn't need to wait. It could end at any time. She could end it tonight. And then the pain would be gone. The nightmare would be over. A small, golden circle appeared in the darkness of Rebecca's closed eyes, shimmering, slowly growing larger and brighter. Rebecca opened her eyes. The golden light was shining through the narrow slits of her fingers, gently pulsing as if it were breathing, growing slightly brighter with each breath out. Rebecca slowly moved her hands away from her face. The sun was streaming through her kitchen window and into the cracked pot, filling it the light exploded from the cracks, shining in all directions. Rebecca stared at it, captivated by the strange yet uniquely spectacular effect. Voices exploded outside her home. What happened? Rebecca pushed aside the cloth of her doorway and ran outside. A crowd was rushing by, bubbling with excitement. Something obviously very important was happening, something she needed to see. Rebecca joined the crowd, drawn by their infectious energy. 
She leaned into the people's conversations, piecing together rapid bursts of information. Are you sure he's there? Yes, I'm sure. He's come back to Capernaum. Will he still be there? He moves around so quickly and he's so secretive. The last time I... Shh, let him speak. Don't shush me. I think this Jesus is just another false messiah. There've been so many. Is he fulfilling what the prophets have said? Where is he from? Nazareth, I think. Nazareth? Ah, what a dump. Are you sure? But he was born in Bethlehem. Who cares? If the stories of him are true, we can't miss this opportunity. Rebecca pulled back from the Lacatius group. How odd. A false messiah named Jesus, coming from Nazareth of all places, having this much of an effect on people? She needed to see this man, if only to satisfy her curios, her arms. Rebecca looked down on her exposed arms, swaying through her short sleeved dress. In the excitement she'd forgotten to put on her shawl. If she was recognized in such a dense crowd, pressing up against other people, the gates of hell would be opened. Rebecca brushed her head towards the front of her face to conceal her identity. The crowd was too preoccupied with this Jesus to notice her. She was safe. Maybe. The crowd kept running and running. Rebecca's feet ached, but she continued to run. If these people were willing to run such a distance to see this Jesus, surely it would be worth it. Finally, as her remaining strength evaporated from her, they arrived. Another crowd swarmed in from the opposite direction, also stammering to a breathless halt from a long, hard run. Everybody rushed towards the house, quickly identified as the man's location. The only house surrounded by a group of people, balancing on their toes and peering in. When everyone settled, Rebecca stood 20 feet from the house. She could hear the distant murmur of a man speaking, but she couldn't perceive his words. Suddenly, a man appeared on the roof of the house. And then two. And then four. Rebecca squinted as she tried to identify the strange object they were all carrying. Was that a man on a stretcher? After placing the stretcher down, one of the men raised an axe over his head and swung it down on the roof. He lifted it, swung it down again, and repeated the process. He was trying to break through. Was this an attack? And why the man on the stretcher? Rebecca knew that something very big was about to unfold in that house, and she needed to see it. She stood on her toes, but she could barely see below the roof. She looked around, desperately searching for a tree to climb. Nothing. More and more debris flew into the air with each retraction of the axe. It would break through at any moment now. Suddenly, the two men directly in front of her stepped in opposite directions for a clearer view. She stepped forward. The man and woman now in front of her did the same. 
she quickly stepped into the gap. The man to her left stepped back to locate something he dropped to the ground. At that instant, three large men in front of him began to push their way through the crowd. Rebecca followed them closely, advancing eight feet before abruptly stopping. The hollow impact of the axe emanated from within the house. They had broken through. The people to her left ushered backwards to escape the falling debris. Rebecca quickly stepped into the vacant location, covering her head and squinting as sharp particles of dust rained from the roof. Four layers of people directly in front of her, slightly dispersed in a moment of panic. Rebecca reacted quickly. She skipped through the narrow passage and threw her arms over the window's edge, securing her position. Rebecca quickly identified Jesus. The man confidently standing at one end of the house, while everyone else either sat, kneeled or stood at the other end. Those inside fearfully gazed up at the rapidly expanding hole in the roof. Jesus just stood there, calmly, unafraid, watching them complete their task. And then the sound of hacking stopped, replaced by rapid whispers and scurrying footsteps on the rooftop. Be quiet. A thick blanket of silence fell over the crowd. The activity on the roof stopped. What were they doing? Had they gone? A dark shadow filled the hole in the roof. It then slowly evolved into an image of something being lowered into the house. Was that the man on the stretcher? Rebecca stared in amazement as she watched a man laying on a wooden board being lowered by four ropes tied to each corner. The bed was gently placed onto the ground, revealing the thin, motionless body of a paralytic. The man on the stretcher stared at Jesus. Tears streamed down his head and onto his mat. His lips quivered as he searched for the right words to say. Jesus. Jesus. I know you are a man from God. I know you can help me. Please, heal me, Jesus. What? Rebecca thought to herself. Heal? Was that man serious? Jesus crouched beside the man and took his hand. The silence of the crowd deepened as everyone waited for his response. Son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus suddenly snapped his head towards one of the windows. He held his stare as he slowly rose to his feet. Rebecca arched her head to see who he was looking at. It was a group of scribes, but nobody said anything. They were just watching. Silently, 
Jesus finally spoke. Who can forgive sin but God alone? Is that right? Why are you thinking such thoughts? The scribes stared wide-eyed at Jesus, stunned at the accuracy of his words. Tell me then, scribes, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven? Or get up and walk? Silence. The scribes didn't dare to respond. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus turned slowly towards the paralytic. Rebecca gripped the window and held her breath. I say to you, get up, pick up your mat, and go home. The paralytic lurched forward and sat up. He lifted his hands and gazed at them in amazement as he rotated his wrists. Then the man lifted his knees and slowly rose. He held onto Jesus as he struggled to balance on his fragile and unutilized frame. Then the man let go of Jesus, bent down and picked up the mat he was laying on. The color drained from Rebecca's face. Her heart exploded in her chest. What just happened? The crowd pressed forward, searching for the former paralytic. Where is he? Where is he? A hand grabbed Rebecca's shoulder, pulling her into the violent crowd. Elbows, arms and knees rose and fell furiously. Rebecca pushed towards the outer edges of the crowd, covering her face to shield herself from the hands and fingers flying in from all directions. And then she broke free and ran from the crowd, separating herself from the terrible scene as fast as possible. Afraid of what she saw, afraid of who that man was. Who was that man? Rebecca ran frantically towards her home until she could no longer hear the madness behind her. She stammered to a stop to catch her breath. Her fear ebbed away with each draw of cool air. Rebecca wiped the sweat from her brow and walked as her breathing settled. She knew that running from what happened was futile. She could never erase that event from her memory. She needed to face it, to make sense of it. Rebecca stared at the horizon as she filtered through the recent events. One of the men from the crowd said that Jesus was another false messiah. Why would he assume that? What did she know about the coming Messiah? As Rebecca walked, she reached for the faded images of her distant past. She remembered one of her father's many passionate lectures about the coming Messiah. The Messiah will be a mighty politician. He will redeem us from all of our oppressors. This Jesus 
didn't seem like a mighty politician, and he performed a miracle before her very eyes. Would a politician do that? What do the scriptures actually say about this elusive messiah? Rebecca watched her rhythmic steps as she stretched her mind back to the Shabbat dinners of her childhood. Her father would often pore over each of the messianic prophecies until the dwindling flickers of candlelight. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. Deuteronomy, the prophet Moses. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The prophet Isaiah. Mighty God, Everlasting, but also a prophet? What a strange way to describe a political leader. What are the other prophecies? There are so many. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are of old from ancient times. The prophet Micah. Origins from ancient times, coming from Bethlehem. Where was this Jesus from again? Nazareth. Are you sure? But he was born in Bethlehem. The hairs on the back of Rebecca's neck stood on end. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. This Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man. Where had she heard that title before? The prophet Daniel. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days, and was presented before him. A son of man coming with the clouds of heaven? A son of man approaching the ancient of days? Approaching God? A person's sins need to be taken away so that they can stand before God. How can sins be taken away? If they are forgiven. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Rebecca collapsed to her knees as her world violently spun off its axis. Her father was wrong. The teachers of the law were wrong. The Messiah was not a political leader. He was not prophesied to save them from their oppressors. He was so much more than that. The Messiah was God himself, coming to earth, wrapped in human flesh, to save people from their sins. Jesus could forgive sins. Jesus could forgive her sins. Rebecca looked towards the distant location she had run from. What do I do? 
How can I approach Emmanuel? And then she remembered her conversation with the merchant. Who would wear such a precious possession? Noble men and women? The royal that work among us. Yes. Yes, it's perfect. Rebecca pushed herself off the ground and rose to her feet. She blinked the tears from her eyes as she ran to her home. She burst through the doorway and threw herself down on the floor. She began scratching at a hairline crack in the wall until a fragment of stone fell free. She reached into the hollowed out section of the wall, pulled out a leather pouch, then ran out the door and into the marketplace. When she arrived, only a few vendors remained, packing up their merchandise. It was well past the closing hour. Oh no! Rebecca ran to the location of the merchant she spoke with. He wasn't there. No, please no. She searched the distance, looking for an outline of a man pulling a cart of merchandise. Nothing. Wait a minute. There! Headed for the main road. Rebecca ran towards the man, grasping the base of the weathered pouch to prevent it from bursting. Please, please stop! The startled man bent forward and placed his wooden cart down. What is it? What's wrong? You may not remember me, but we spoke yesterday. You showed me one of your beautiful perfumes. I'd like to buy it, please. The merchant frowned as he studied Rebecca's face, highly suspicious of her impulsive behavior. I'm sorry. Everything is deeply packed away. Come back tomorrow, when the market opens. He bent down and lifted the cart. Rebecca stepped in front of him. Please! Get out of my way! You have to help me! Please, this is very important! Everything is packed up! Come back tomorrow! Tomorrow will be too late! The merchant stopped, surprised by Rebecca's tears. The price is still the same. 300 denarii. You told me you couldn't afford- I have 400! 400 denarii! The merchant's eyes widened as he looked into the pouch. He placed the cart onto the ground quickly walked around it and pulled the covering open. Rebecca followed him. Which one would you like? The lavender one. It has to be the lavender one. The merchant ran his hands across the stacked up vials. I don't think I have any lavender left. Oh please, it needs to be there. The merchant placed his knee onto the cart's edge and reached deeper into it. Aha! There's one left. He emerged from the cart with an exquisitely crafted white alabaster vial in hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. Rebecca handed him the pouch, took the vial and stepped into a run. Wait. Please, take your change. Your clothes. You, you're not wealthy. It's ten years of savings. It's everything I own and this gift is priceless. Please keep it. The merchant understood that any rebuttals would be powerless. He graciously nodded. Okay. Rebecca turned and briskly walked back towards the marketplace. She reasoned with her contending thoughts, desperately searching for a logical plan. Run. Start running. Where am I going? I don't know where he is. He wouldn't still be at the same house. It doesn't matter. Run, Rebecca. Just run to him. 
Rebecca grasped the precious vial as she broke into a run, trusting the mysterious instincts guiding her. When you reach the entrance of the marketplace, take a right. Now, up ahead, you'll see a man herding sheep. Take the first left as you pass him. Left, okay. Take the stairs down to the lower city. Continue straight into the alleyway. Rebecca looked towards the horizon. The final embers of daylight melted into the darkened sky. She no longer yearned for the darkness. She was running to the light. Turn right at the orange tree. Cut across the field, you'll get there faster. The second alleyway to your right, take it. Second? I don't see it. Which one? There, over there. Cut through it. Continue straight, run past the plain children. Keep running, Rebecca, you're almost there. Keep running. Run through the arch, then take the stairs to your left. The street diverges to the right. Left at the row of fig trees. Turn left at the third row of houses. Left here. Stay on this path. Rebecca slowly turned towards the house, facing the enclosure she entered. There he was, with his back to her, eating in the house of a Pharisee, at a table filled with people. Rebecca stood by the window, frozen with fear, as an explosion of doubts tore through her mind. There are so many people. How can I interrupt? Who do you think you are? Pharisees are holy people. You are not holy. They could stone me. You don't deserve kindness. You don't deserve love. This was a bad idea. You're worthless. I can't do this. Who could love you? Get out of here. They should go. Get out of here now. It's too late to run. Just let go. Now. Do it now. Rebecca burst into the house and fell on the floor before him. She opened the vial. The sweet fragrance spread through the room like a rapidly flourishing flower. She poured the perfume onto his feet. A flood of repentance released, flowing from her heart and out of the alabaster jar. She kissed his feet, wiping the perfume and her tears away with her hair, a sign of complete surrender. Her actions speaking with her lips could not. I'm sorry. I am so sorry. I am such a sinner. 
I've broken your laws. I've run from you. I hated you. You are so, so holy. I deserve death. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. The Pharisee rose from his seat to see the strange scene unfolding. He studied the woman, touching the feet of Jesus. Wait a minute, he thought. I know this woman. I've seen this whore luring men in the marketplace. If this Jesus were a prophet, he'd know how sinful this woman was. Simon, I have something to ask you. Jesus' sudden words startled Rebecca, <laughs> causing her to drop the alabaster vial. She slowly raised her head, terrified of what he was about to say to the Pharisee. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he cancelled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? The Pharisee awkwardly shifted on his feet as he processed a strange, unrelated question. Um, the one I suppose for whom he cancelled the larger debt. You have judged correctly, Simon. Rebecca looked at the Pharisee and then back at Jesus. What was he saying? It didn't make any sense. Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, as her great love has shown. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. What? What? Jesus looked at Rebecca. Your sins are forgiven. But I'm a... I'm a... I'm a... I know, Rebecca, I know. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Rebecca stared into the eyes of Jesus, into the eyes of eternal, pure love. How can such love even be possible? The stunned Pharisee sank back down into his seat. Jesus took Rebecca's trembling hands and helped her rise. The final swirls of perfume dripped from the lane alabaster vial and Rebecca stepped out of the house and into her new life. Two years passed. Rebecca never left Jesus. She followed him wherever he went. When he spoke to the public, she stood amongst the crowds, 
absorbing every one of his heavenly words. Even when he was arrested, she didn't leave him. She watched the crowds shout for his crucifixion, watched the soldiers mock and beat him, and even followed Jesus as he struggled to carry his cross to Golgotha where she now stood. The criminals crucified beside Jesus never stopped fighting off the guards until they were finally nailed down to a cross. But Jesus never fought back, never tried to twist out of their grasp. He knelt down to let them whip him and gave them his hands to let them nail him to a cross. Rebecca watched Jesus shiver as he kept pushing himself off his nailed feet for every shallow breath in. She desperately beat against the boundaries of her mind, searching for a reason, a possible explanation for these inexplicable events. Why? Why is this happening? It doesn't make sense. The prophecies never... And then, a tidal wave of remembered prophecies flooded Rebecca's mind, washing away the fog, revealing the complete image of the mysterious Messiah. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Isaac, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. By his wounds, we are healed. It was part of the plan. He was prophesied to die. That's why he could forgive sins. To forgive a debt, a debt needs to be paid. The debt of sin is death. Jesus was paying the debt of others so that they could be forgiven. Jesus was being punished for her sins, for the unspeakable things she had done so that she could be forgiven. When they could not pay, he cancelled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Impossible. Jesus took one final walk across the crowd. When his eyes fell on Rebecca, she remembered the words he spoke to her soul. Your sins are forgiven. You're listening to Redeemed.